Welcome to the Broadcast Storm, episode number 73 of Fundamentals of Disaster Recovery. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, double CCA and Cisco Press author. And in this podcast episode, we want to talk about some disaster recovery topics that are specified in CompTIA's brand new Network Plus exam. It's exam N10-007. And I thought in this podcast episode, we would take a snippet from that training and take a look at some different disaster recovery options. And this is very valuable to know whether you're taking that Network Plus exam or for the real world. First, let's think about the need for disaster recovery. If we have a data center or a server farm, and if we have that located maybe locally at our site and not in a cloud somewhere, then we need to think about how we're going to back up the data stored on those servers. And we want to discuss a few options. One option is to do a full backup. Now, a full backup implies we're backing up to some media, maybe tape, maybe another disk, but we're making a backup of the entire server in such a way that if we need to retrieve a specific file, let's say a file got deleted by accident, no worries, we did a backup last night. Let's just go retrieve that file from backup. We can do that with a full backup. It backs up everything. Of course, if we do a full backup, let's say daily, and you can determine how often you want to do your backups, but if we do a full backup daily, Depending on the size of the data that we need to back up, that could take a while. So what some people do is they will do initially a full backup, and then they will do differential backups. A differential backup backs up the data that was changed since the last full backup. So a differential backup is not doing a full backup, it's the delta. What's different between now and when we took the full backup? That means when we go to restore, we would first restore the full backup that we have, and then we would overlay the differential backup. Let's say that we took a full backup on the first of the month and at the end of each week, we took a differential backup. And maybe by week four, getting toward the end of the month, those differential backups are getting larger and larger because more and more data has changed over the month's time. And what some people will do to keep down on the size of those differential backups, they will use incremental backups. Now an incremental backup is gonna back up all of the changes since the last full backup or the last differential backup or the last incremental backup. So maybe on August the 1st, we do a full backup. Then on August the 2nd, we do an incremental backup. It's going to back up what has changed in that one day. On August the 3rd, we do yet another incremental backup. It's going to be what has changed between August the 2nd and the 3rd. So if we want to restore the data, we would first have to restore the full backup. Then we would have to restore the incremental backup made on August the 2nd. Then we would have to restore the incremental backup made on August the 3rd. And we could mix in a differential backup as well. Maybe we took a full backup on August the 1st. We took a differential backup on August the 8th. We took an incremental backup on August the 9th. And then suddenly on August the 10th, we need to do a restore. Well, we could restore the full backup made on August the 1st. On top of that, we would overlay the differential backup made on August the 8th. And on top of that, we would overlay the incremental backup made on August the 9th. So you can see the trade-off here. It takes longer to do a full backup. It takes less time to do a differential backup, and it takes even less time to do an incremental backup. But then when it comes time to restore, it takes longer if we're using incremental backups. It takes a little bit less time if we're using differential backups, and it takes the least amount of time if we're restoring just one time from a full backup. Now, all three of these approaches allow us to go in and retrieve and restore specific files that we're after. However, there's another way of doing a backup that's not really file-centric, it's a snapshot. It takes a snapshot image of the entire system, including state information, what processes are running right now, what's in memory right now. We can get that kind of information. So that's another type of backup that we might want to take. But remember, 
we're not going to be able to go in and say, I just want to restore one file. No, if you restore a snapshot, it's going to completely replace the operating system environment, and it's going to restore how things were when we made the snapshot originally. Those are four different types of backups we need to know about for the Network Plus exam and for the real world. And now that we've talked about those four types of backups, let's consider if we have a larger scale failure. We're not just interested in retrieving a file or maybe a system. Maybe we have a major data center outage. Maybe the data center catches on fire. What do we do in a case like that? That's where we have to look at, temporarily anyway, moving operations to another site. And there are three different types of remote backup sites we need to understand. The first one is called a cold site. And this cold site is a location that you've identified as where you're going to put your data center. There's a room that's dedicated for this. The room has sufficient power. It's got a heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system, or HVAC. It's got the floor space where you can put your equipment, but at this moment, the coal site has no equipment. There are no servers there. It's just a location where you could move in the event of a disaster. Obviously, the cutover time is going to be quite substantial because you've got to get servers in this room and then you have to do all your restoration and the cabling. It's going to take a while to get this remote site up and operational. And for some companies, that type of delay involved in standing up a data center in an empty room, it's just too long. Fortunately, there are other options. The second option is a warm site. The warm site has power. It has HVAC. We've defined floor space, but this time... We have servers. The server hardware is in the warm site. So what we would have to do is restore the data from our backups that we've made at the enterprise data center. We would need to restore that data at the warm site. Obviously, that's going to be some cutover time because we have to do that restoration, but it's going to be a lot quicker than using a coal site. And the third type of site is called a hot site. And this is what I'm used to working with when I worked down at Walt Disney World in Florida. I worked in the building that housed the big data center where ABC runs its go.com network. That's where ABC.com is located, Disney.com. And obviously, Disney wanted to minimize downtime for that data center. So the big data center that ran all these servers, it was linked via fiber optic cabling to another location at Disney World. In fact, you might have heard that there is a tunnel system underneath the Magic Kingdom. Well, underneath the Fantasyland area... If you're in that tunnel system, it's called the Utilidors. But if you're in that area, there is a hot site where there is a big data center that is connected to the enterprise data center, which sits about two to 300 yards north. And it's a hot site because not only does it have power and HVAC and floor space and server hardware, the data is synchronized. A change is made to the enterprise data center, it's immediately written to that hot site data center. So if something did happen to the enterprise data center, you've got a backup site that's already up and running and it has current data. So those are three different types of remote sites I would want you to know about. A cold site, a warm site, and a hot site. And we also discussed in this podcast episode, four different types of backups. The full backup, which backs up all the data. The differential backup, that backs up changes since the last full backup. The incremental backup, which backs up changes since the last full or differential or incremental backup. And then there was the snapshot that backs up an entire server, including that server's state information. And those are some of the topics that you need to know for the CompTIA Network Plus exam in 10-007. And I think I might have mentioned earlier that I've just completed the complete video course for Pearson IT certification. And I meticulously went through CompTIA's blueprint for that exam. And I made sure in that video series to cover every single topic. And if that's a certification that you're interested in picking up, I recommend you check out my complete video course. Here's the link. 
Now, you might be listening to this in early May. It's supposed to come out later in May. I don't have an exact date, but it should be out very soon. But if you listen to this podcast episode as soon as it comes out, you may find that it's available for pre-order, which is fine. Go ahead and take advantage of the discount I'm about to give you, and uh, then it'll be available to you as soon as it comes out. But you can go to netpluscourse.kevin.live. Again, that's netpluscourse, plus being P-L-U-S, it's not the plus sign, netpluscourse.com. Dot Kevin dot live. Not dot com, but dot live. Netpluscourse.kevin.live. And I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And for my podcast listeners, I wanted to give you 50% off. So I asked the folks at Pearson if they would be so kind as to give me a discount code I could use, and they did. Here it is. It's Wallace50. W-A-L-L-A-C-E-5-0. I'll put that in the show notes as well, but Wallace50. If you'll enter that coupon code as you're checking out, you're going to get a 50% discount on this brand new Network Plus course. I think you'll love it. And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The Broadcast Storm.